Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lant. I'm your host, James Lanky. And my guest today is one host, one half host of the podcast, So Problematic, Miss J. Thank you for joining me. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor. It's an honor and a pleasure. I've listened to um, I've listened to not every episode, but I've listened to about four or five of y'all episodes. And I've really enjoyed them. Oh, thank you. And I also thank you, to, thank you, thank you. Also listen to um, your episode with Jeremy from Life Unplugged. Oh, love Jeremy, love him, love him, love him. That yes, he's amazing. Was, he's amazing. That, yeah, that actually was the podcast that made me want to sit down with both of you ladies, but I. But I wanted to break it up, so I said, "Okay, well, since she's available, since Jay is available first, we'll record with Jay first. <laughs> <laughs> Which is rare because I'm never like available first, like legit, legit. Um, but yeah, you broke us up, yo. Not broke us up, broke us up. But we had to have an executive meeting. We were like, "Are we gonna do this separate? Yes or no?" They were like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it." So. Shout out to you for doing that. <laughs> let, me, let me ask, because this that's always fascinating me. Why is it that when it's a pair of podcasters, they don't want to be interviewed separately? You know what it is? Um, not that we don't want to, but we I think we've built um our brand on seeing each other as a like as a as a as a team, as a pair, you know? So we always want to ensure that we feel like we feel like it's fair for both of us. We never want to overstep each other when it comes to decision making or what we say or what we do because you know we want to make sure respectful at all times to the fact that we are a team. So not that we don't we we don't want to or we're scared, but we just want to make sure that we're checking in and saying, "Hey, is that good with you? Is that good with you? Yeah, no problem." You don't feel left out. You don't feel like you're not being you know, thought of, whatever. No problem. There's a bunch of times Cece did her own thing on a, um, somebody else's podcast and she's ran it by me. So it's not like I'm blindsided. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow. Or same with me. I run it by her. So I think it's just making sure that we ensure that we're okay within each other before outside. Because we have the thing where we keep it inside before we get it outside. Like a marriage or relationship. We make sure our, our little island is copacetic and peaceful before we go out into the world. We make sure that we're good. Okay. Let me say this, because I because I because I want anybody that's that works in pairs to know why I like to do my podcast with them separate. One, my podcast is very one-on-one, like mm-hmm. very one-on-one. So it's hard for me to talk to two different people because both people are on their own journey. You and her are on two totally different journeys right now. Totally. Very much so. And that's why it for me, my my line of questioning would be totally different with her as mm-hmm. opposed to you. So yeah. And we respect that because we asked you, we were like, why separately? And you made it very clear why. And when you told us why, we were like, oh, okay, no problem. Yeah, let's do it. Because we were like, no worries. We we were we you know we wondered why we we're like why are you want separate for but you know the, that the fact that we're on two different journeys right now is what makes our podcast so different because we're bringing the two journeys together to say hey this is me this is you and this is what we feel on this topic so but shout out to you for doing that we we appreciate it and we love your support 
I appreciate it. So <laughs> let's get into the big thing about your journey because unfortunately you are in the middle of a divorce and you've, and the reason I'm okay with talking about it is because you've talked about it first. Oh, yeah. So how right now, how are you doing? I am good. I am good. Um, divorce is a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster that if you do not learn to not lead with your emotion, but with your mind, you will literally fall off of. Um, it's the roller coaster that you have to maintain, meaning <laughs> you have to not only not lead with your emotions, but lead with, you know, common sense and your mental. But in order to do that, you have to ensure that every aspect of your life you are taken care of, like mental therapy, spirituality for me is church and my community group, um, physical, I'm a personal trainer, wellness, you know, financially is my budgeting. So it's a roller coaster that you got to keep functioning up to date, checked on, but also allow for it to get off the rails and give yourself grace when it does. So right now I would say that I'm at a good place, a very good place because I give myself grace, but I also have an amazing therapist that reminds me that it's not either or it's all in between when it comes to this process. During that answer, you mentioned um, your personal trainer. So during this process, has it been hard? Because let's be honest, when you're going through something this dramatic, it's, it can take a toll on you physically and you're not as motivated. So how's that been for you? Um, to be honest with you, I lost my baby weight because of this. Um, because what I was doing in the beginning was at home crying. I was just not with it. I wasn't with it. Um, and my divorce process, my separation started the same week as the pandemic. So while the news was telling everybody to hunker in, <laughs> stay home, and don't go in these streets, I was packing black garbage bags, moving out of this condo that I thought I would never move out of until I bought a house with this man. Um, but I was packing up every bag I could find before he came back home so that I can clear it to my grandparents' house 10 minutes away with my two-year-old daughter. Wow. So I ended up, yeah, I lost my mind. I sat in that room for a long time crying with these garbage bags and my daughter. And then I said, you know what? I have to, I have to run. So I started running every morning, three miles and every evening, three miles. So I was doing between six to 10 miles a day of running and I dropped it all. I dropped all the weight. Um, but on my runs, I was listening to gospel music, motivational speeches, self-help books. And that's what brought me through was me getting outside and working out. So the working out actually was therapy for you. Therapy. Yes. Yes. It, it, it got me outside the house. It helped me to burn the anxiety because I was tired. I couldn't even think after, after running, but also it helped me clear my mind. It helped me to be realistic that, listen, if you sit in the house and you look at the bags, you're going to think this is what my life is all about. But if you get outside, allow yourself to breathe, see other people and know that life still goes on regardless. So that's what it did. It really did help. It really helped me. Plus the little, you know, the, 
the little um I forgot what it is endorphins started kicking in so yeah it definitely helped being a person to train it this may be a weird question but I'm gonna ask it anyway <laughs> can you understand how people lose their motivation to do anything during that time of course of yeah. course um, part of me wanted to just stay home and eat. Like I had Dunkin' Dunkin' my, by my house. I wanted to just stay home, eat, watch TV. Um, you lose motivation because divorce makes you start questioning your self-worth. It makes you question, why was I not good enough? Did I look a certain way? Did I not perform a certain way? Um, is it because I lost myself after having this baby? Um, so I can see how people would definitely lose their motivation because fitness is mental. It's, it's mental, it's emotion, but it's a mental thing. And when your mental health is challenged because your whole world, you feel at that moment is crumbling down, you're, you don't want to do much. You just want to stay in the bed and you want the world to just keep on going without you. Like, okay, yeah, the world can keep spinning, but let me just stay right here. And in that moment, you think that, you know, there's nothing else, there's no hope. You think that this is all you're meant to be because, well, because my famous line is, if you live by a man's compliments, you will die by his criticism. And in that moment, you're dying by a person's criticism or what you think they're doing to criticize you until you realize that it has nothing to do with you. So yeah, I can I, I sympathize with my clients and with people who are not motivated going through a divorce, separation, or whatever life tragedy that they have thrown at them. Mm. I was listening to um, your most recent episode, and you talked a lot about um, church, going to church, spirituality, and how that hindered you from getting a divorce. So I wanted you to elaborate more on that. Um. You know, I, my dad's a pastor. Those who didn't know, my mom's a minister. So I was right. I'm a pastor's daughter. I did not lose my virginity until I was married. Wow. I stayed celibate. I made sure that I was going to be the godly wife that God ordained me to be. And unfortunately, there's two sides to that. You know, for me, I felt like if I stayed in this marriage that till death do us part, I was taught till death do us part. Don't you dare get that divorce, girl. You are made to stay in this marriage and be the wife that you read in the Bible. Your parents have taught you to be. You're, it's beat into your head to be. Um, that if you're not that wife and you get a divorce, that you're sinning. You, you're not doing what you are ordained to do. You know, And that hindered me from getting a divorce because even when my marriage, and I bluntly knew it needed to be over. I bluntly knew I need to let this go. I knew in my faith that it just needs to be done. But mentally, I was scared of what I said, go to heaven. What would God think? Oh my gosh, I'm the pastor's daughter. You're supposed to make your marriage work. Are you, are you serious? Divorce is a sin. I mean, whew. you know, it, it, it hindered me because I was going against doctrine. I felt like I was going against what I was raised to do and to be, and that was to be a Christian wife until I realized that that's not what I was raised to do and to be. I took it the way that they taught me, but as I 
went into my Bible a little bit closer and more in depth and joined groups that helped me understand in the church, I understood that God wants me to be part of a godly marriage, one that he put together, not one that I forced. Hmm. So it did hinder. Why do you, why do you think you forced it? Cause that's interesting. You say that. Well, when you pray and you ask God for an answer to something, God gives you free will. Everybody has free will. We all have it. So when people say that somebody forced them to be a Christian, I don't, I don't agree with that. Not the person who's saying it. I don't agree with the person who's forcing the person to be a Christian. Christianity is not a forced situation. And one thing is you can pray and ask God for the answer. You can ask God for direction. But if you take it, that's on you. Mm-hmm. And I did pray. I prayed. I said, you know, God, is this the man for me? And he allowed so many signs, so many signs <laughs> that I look for now and I'm just like, girl, what the hell? Like, what the hell? Um, that I bypassed and I bypassed it for so many reasons that in therapy I had to acknowledge. I had to do some self-reflecting and realize that I bypassed it because I was not only infatuated with this man who is 10 years older than me, wise, streetwise, you know what I'm saying? Very, I mean, I, I give this to my, my, my daughter's father. He's, he's a fun person to be around. And, you know, he definitely has the persona of somebody who, you know, you could talk to. And that's why the divorce hurt because we became, we were best friends before we started dating. We're best friends. So God gave me my answer and I ignored it because I wanted to marry my best friend knowing that he should just stay the best friend Mm. and not a husband. He was, and it's so crazy because I firmly believe if we never got married, we would still be best friends right now. Wow. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a tough question. Go ahead. Do you think trying to save yourself for marriage, like the celibacy thing, do you think that hurts you in seeing the red flags? Yes and no. You know why I say that? And I thought about this. One is because yes, in the sense that, in the sense that you are infatuated because you've never been there. You never had that. So the first person that shows you that, yeah, you get, you get an attachment, you get a connection. So I wish I dated more. I wish I experimented more, but not sexually, to be honest with you. I wish I experimented more like dating wise, going out wise. I don't feel like waiting till marriage made me, would made it any different, but I do feel like me not being more out there learning more, being more like in these streets, but not sleeping around wise. I feel like that hindered me a lot because now I look back at, I'm like, yo, you were young, 24, mm, got a college. Mm, he was the first like real man, man that I saw. And it was like, Oh, let me attach myself. Mm-hmm. But I wish I did. I wish I went out more. I wish I had more of a, well, I would say more of a social life. I, I mean, being in church is nice and all, but it's important for you to get out there and see what the world also has, because you're always going to 
just attached to the first thing you see. Like my daughter, I don't want her to be too out there, but I do want her to go out there and explore. I want her to see what the world has to offer before she kind of makes that mistake like I did in a way. So no, I don't think celibacy did. I don't think celibacy or staying abstinence did it, but I feel like my lack thereof of being social and only being in the church and not even trying to go out, you know, hang out with friends, see what things are like, meet new people. I think that definitely is something that I would redo and did, did um, play a huge part. So was your upbringing the reason that you didn't like being social and dating more? I would say my upbringing, I was very sheltered, very sheltered. Um, yeah, I came from a two-parent household, um, very stable. And I love that, love that. I love stability, but the sheltered part, that's the part that I believe played a huge part um, because now I am like, oh, wow, what is that? Oh, wow, what is this? And then getting into my marriage, I had to realize what everything really was because before being married, I was with mom and dad. Like I never lived on my own. You get what I'm saying? It was from house to marriage. Wow. Yeah. I did the very the old fashioned way. You leave your parents' house and you getting married and going out to your husband. There was no in between. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah my husband cool. bringing, it definitely, it definitely taught me. And therapy, it taught me how much it did, it, how much it did affect me when it came to my marriage and it, just adulthood. Cause now I'm like, yo, now I'm a mother. Now there is no, let me figure it out. Now it's, yo, I gotta know it. Here it is running a house by myself with a child working, balancing, balancing budgets and everything and running a business on the side. So it went from one to the other, to the other. It just went from bop, bop, bop. <laughs> uh, I've never, so I've never had the opportunity to talk to at least that I know of or could think of that a woman who actually saved herself from marriage, which is highly commendable. But let me ask, like what, what kind of pressure was that? Because you, because you were saving yourself from marriage. How, how much pressure was on you to, to make sure that you accomplished that? Well, I'm going to be very honest with you. My mom and dad, they just told me, you know, my mom's a nurse. So she showed us the herpes, the gonorrhea, the syphilis and all that. Um, and then she showed me pregnancy. And then I had a friend who was a teen mom. So I, of course, I've seen how that played out. She was 16, 17. It was a teen mom. And I was like, you know, her child's godmother. So of course I was with her everywhere. And I was seeing like, I didn't want that. I didn't want that. But then also being the pastor's daughter, you have, there is a, there's a standard that you want to set for other girls that are in the church. You want to show them that it's possible. You want to show them that you're guarding your heart, but feeling pressured. No. And here's why my parents never put they never talked about sex. Sex wasn't idolized. So for me, I didn't care about it. I never realized how weird I viewed sex until I started working at, at a call center and I was out of, out of high school. These people talked about sex all the time. They talked about 69. They talked about hitting from the back. They talked about, I've never been to a street. I thought, I thought prostitutes were only on TV. <laughs> they were real. I never knew they were real. 
and my one <laughs> on the street and i was like are you freaking serious oh my gosh they're real and i wait like i wanted to go out and ask her a question but he was like are you crazy get in the car um i was infatuated like what the hell people do that for real strippers never been to strip club and i was like oh my god why are they doing that what's wrong with them like why would you take off your clothes for that like there was a whole new whole other world so saving myself saving myself to a marriage was the norm to me it was like why not what's the big deal about it wasn't idolized sex wasn't a big deal in my household so i didn't see a problem with it and everybody kept looking at me like you never had sex you don't think about it you don't want it you're never horny i'm like no you can't miss what you never had think about it that's true if you never had it you're not gonna miss it so for me it's like and all i ever heard about it was it's painful the first time so my mind went to oh hell no it's gonna be painful then why the hell am i gonna need it like that so soon i got kuwait and then it became the portion where people were obsessed with the fact that I never had sex. Like men were literally like, let me take you out. Let me take you out. Let's go here. Like they were like trying to just be that first person. And then that's when I kind of realized, wait, I got something here that people might want, but anybody had before. So for me, it was like, (laughs) (laughs) so I didn't, I didn't see it so much as in like, Oh my gosh, I either got, damn, you never had sex. I don't want that because I don't want to teach you what to do. Or I got, what? You never had sex? What? Let me take you on a date. But, you know, the ones who said, damn, I don't want to do it was like 10%. Those who wanted to take me out was like 90%. So after a while, I didn't care. Sex wasn't a big deal to me. I was taught, go to school, get your education, be this bomb behind God-fearing woman who got her stuff together. That was my priority. That is what I was taught. That's what I focused on. How did you... How did you finally get comfortable with the decision to make to divorce? Because again, we talked about the spirituality, the spirituality making it so difficult. So how did you get comfortable with making that decision? Oh, let me tell you. You want the honest truth. I just gotta be honest. <laughs> honest, dead ass, honest truth. Okay. I was always told, do not, do not divorce unless you feel like you have exhausted all of your options. And I tell people that today, don't do it unless you have exhausted every option and you feel like there is nothing in you anymore. I did not want my divorce. Let me be very clear. I didn't want it. Um, He came to me and asked me for it. And I said, let's do a trial separation, which we did. But I realized that you can't be the only one to want a marriage. The other person has to want it too. Mm -hmm. And if the other person doesn't want it and you tried and you tried, I'm going to be honest. I begged. I begged him. I said, I'm going to be honest. I did. I begged him. I said, hey, we got to family we got a baby we got this we've done so much it's only been a couple years let's figure it out let's work on it um and everybody around me and I give them credit for this everybody around me wanted me to just give it up so badly but they allowed me to go through the mourning and the process of 
having, I had to make sure that I wanted to give it up. So yes, I try to go to therapy with him. I tried begging. I did, you know, it is what it is. It was a process begging. I tried, you know, maybe having family days to see if we can reconnect. Um, I tried fixing everything that he said was wrong with me, according to him. You get this? Everything. Um, what gave me the weight was I went on a three-day fast where I didn't eat nothing. I didn't eat nothing. I said, if I'm going to go on this fast, I'm going to fast for three days of no eating. Just drink tea and water. And I'm going to tell you, I passed that about two times, yo. Mm. And I went fasting in prayer and I said God I'm not going to agree to a divorce unless you tell me this is what needs to be done and on the third day the what I got back was who God puts together let no man put asunder right the portion is who God puts together mm. if God never put us together then any man can come between us. Anything can happen. So getting that answer is what gave me the relief that I needed. And I'm going to tell you, when I finally let go and I cried and I bawled and I bawled and I bawled and I bawled because I had to give up the fairy tale that I wanted for a family. And I had to realize that what I wanted for a family is not what this man was going to give me. And he told me, this, and I had to eat and I had to accept the fact that me ignoring the signs, me not listening to when he said things that I should have listened to, like, you know, I'm selfish, you know, it's what I want. Me ignoring my core values, my faith, who I am as a person is what led me here to some extent. Mm. And I gave it up. Because when I finally let go of my marriage, I woke up for the first day. I remember this day and the sun was in my face and I was at peace. And I remember my, I remember my pastor saying, you know, it needs to be done when you're at peace, when it brings you peace. And the fact that I no longer had to worry about his problems that he has with drinking and all that. I never had to think about that. I never had to focus on him hurting me. Now I could switch my mind to being a better mother for my daughter. Now I didn't have to carry the weight of covering for somebody. Now I was able to let God dictate because I felt like I was trying to do it this whole entire time. I was trying to hold it together this whole entire time. And then I had to realize that you can't make somebody stay with you. The person has to want you. And why would you want somebody who doesn't want you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What was that conversation like with your family? Oh my gosh. Um, my mother cried. My mother cried because my mom and dad got divorced when I was like in my twenties. I was older and they were, they were, they were, they were over it. So my mom cried because she didn't want me to feel the pain that she felt. So she cried because it's, you know, as a, as a parent, you don't want your child to ever feel what you felt. You don't want them to have to deal with what you dealt with through mm -hmm. a divorce. My dad was upset with him um, because the reasons for the divorce is what got everybody. And I said this to him. I said, you wanting a divorce because you no longer are in love is one thing. Mm 
but you getting a divorce and finding out that there's other factors that you did is another thing. Mm. So my dad was upset and my dad talked to that for him. My dad talked to him and my dad decided that he will always be amicable. My family is very amicable because they, that's my daughter's father. They will always greet him. How you doing? He goes and picks up my daughter at my grandma's house. That's our point of you know exchange, my grandmother, my grandma's house. So they greet him, very amicable. How you doing? You okay? Need anything? Because end of the day, he's still her father. He messed up with me, but I set the boundaries for them to know that this is my battle, not yours. You guys can feel how you feel, but don't take it out of that feeling. Don't approach him on nothing. And they, they got on me a bit. Like, how did you not see these problems? How did you not see he was like this? And I say to them, you never see somebody when you're in it. You see it when you're out. Like right now, the things that I've seen throughout the years and what I've now realized, it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and I'm not saying that maliciously. I'm saying that because my doors have opened for my life and things have been going smoothly for me after the decision was made. And that's why it's a constant reminder that I made the right decision. And my family, they see my growth. They see me happier. They see that it's not an easy road. I still have days where it's like the guilt of not giving my daughter the family that I want her to have, but the realization of knowing that I could still give her that family but it might not be with the person that I had her with. So my, my family, they, you know, they, they, they know, calm down. This happened. Just support me. And they do and keep it pushing because it's life. I mean, divorce isn't something new in my family. My aunt's divorced. My uncle's divorced. My mom's divorced. Literally. It's nothing new in my family mm. at all. You mentioned that you found peace. So, what is your definition of peace? My definition of peace is knowing that I have not only a purpose, but the fact that I can walk in who I was really ordained to be without the guilt, without feeling like I'm leaving somebody behind or I'm outgrowing somebody. I always felt like I had to be how I say this in the best terms without being like, you know, constantly. Now, I wouldn't say I had to be like a mother or I had to be constantly watching or taking care of somebody in a negative way, not in a positive way, like you're married, take care of your spouse, but in a negative way, like I gotta look out for you and do certain things. And I'm not gonna get into too much details on that because it's a sense of he has his issues, you know, with, I've said it before on my page with the drinking, with his drinking. And my peace came from the fact that I no longer had to be covering for them. I no longer had to worry about that because that's not my fight anymore. I'm not your spouse. We're not fighting that together anymore. I could focus on me. It was the peace of knowing that I had to focus on what I can control. And that was myself and my daughter. It was me taking the anxiety of not knowing what another adult is going to do. So my peace came in the form of knowing that now I allowed room for God to grow, myself to grow, and for me to really just do what I was ordained to do without having to worry that I was either not going to be good enough or any other factor. It was very peaceful. It's like I didn't have to worry the stress, the agony, the, oh God, 
the financial strain, everything. It was more like, that's not your fight no more, girl. You can focus on you. What are your goals? Now it's about me. What do I want out of life? What do I want? What kind of house do you want? What do you want for your daughter? What you gonna do with your daughter today? It was all these things that now I can really put me first as a mother. And that's it. <laughs> well, now that you've taken the time to think about what you want, you've had time to go to therapy, what do you want? Oh, goodness. I want, I don't want happiness. I want joy. And that is my sole purpose is joy. I feel like happiness, well, I don't feel, let me tell you. On my first day in therapy, my therapist said to me, what do you want? I said, I want to be happy. She said, no, you want joy. I said, what is joy? We need joy. I want to be happy. She's like, joy radiates from within. Happiness is majorly or mainly tied to something. So what I want and what I really aspire for and what I'm working on and currently am obtaining isn't so much a condo, a three-bedroom condo. Yeah, we know. Yes, want my own place to buy my own condo. Yes, pay off my car. Yes, happy, healthy daughter. But internal joy, knowing that, What I can control, I will control. What I can't control, I give to God. Joy knowing that I am just content, grateful, and blessed to be alive and the fact that I get another chance to walk in the purpose that God ordained for me. That is it. Just that. P I it's just that. That's it. I don't care about the yeah, I want a house. Yeah, I could, I could, I can give you a whole list of what I want physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Joy, joy, and just waking up in the morning, and knowing that where I am is where I need to be. And if I make a mistake, it's okay. I'm gonna learn. Be happy that I'm learning from it, and keep on going. And. The joy in knowing that life is also never going to be smooth, but it's always going to be worth living and getting up to and smiling about because I'm alive. And once you're alive, you can always change your circumstances. That is it. Just joy. I want to close out with this. What do you feel your purpose is? I'm a put it in some simple as I can. My purpose in life from what I have sought out is number one, let me take it back a little bit. With me getting my answer to my divorce and being okay with it, I got the answer of how could you help others if you've never been through it? How could I ever talk to somebody who's been broken and hurt if I've never been broken and hurt before? How? Mm. I can't. <laughs> because I can never sympathize with how somebody feels when they feel like they're done and their life is completely over because they went from living this beautiful, comfortable living to all of a sudden you have trash bags worth of your clothes. You're being told that all you've ever done with that person or all you ever came with was two bags. I could never ever reach out to another woman or man and tell them how to heal or not even heal, how to 
work on feeling their emotions until I've been through it. So because I've been through it, working through it, my purpose is to help others. And when it comes to wellness and fitness and reclaiming their lives after they've been, they feel like they've been broken. Teaching them that that's not the end, that part of you reclaiming yourself through going through your time of being in the valley is getting back on track with your wellness. Wellness is all around, which is, I, well, I focus mostly on physical, I'm a personal trainer, physical and nutritional, but I also dabble with all my clients into making sure they know that there are different parts of wellness, which is spiritual, emotional, um, you got financial wellness, you have emotional, like I said before, spiritual, mental, physical, all that good stuff. And that's where, that's my purpose. My purpose is helping others definitely reclaim their lives from being in a place of brokenness in a valley. Or as I said, I'm always here to make an impact. My income will come, but my, my purpose is to make an impact in helping people reclaim who they are. And knowing that going through a hard patch in life doesn't make you who you are it kind of puts a spotlight to help you find it because i always used to say oh if i never got divorced i would never know myself worth that's not true it was gonna happen i feel like my divorce propelled it i feel like it made me realize it faster but it was gonna happen regardless mm. and so that's what i want for other people to help them realize that there's life outside of being in that valley and give yourself grace, give yourself time, work on yourself slowly. You know, it depends on what you're eating, depends on what you're doing. Go outside for that walk, take time for yourself. Do it. If you don't want to go outside, you can stay inside the house and do a little video, whatever you need to do to get back on track. I'm here to help you. I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. And it's been a joy talking with you. Um, I definitely want to congratulate you on putting things back together and moving forward. And I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Um, I appreciate your in-depth questions because we do have like something that's coming up where I will be going very in depth and I feel like I love this. You guys sent this to me because we want to definitely repost it, of course, um, because going through divorce and being on this end of it, you know, a lot of times people feel like you're being rushed to heal or in layman terms, you know, they feel like they're being rushed to just show the ending result that yes, they survived, they're whole, they're a better person. But sometimes we neglect the process, like a butterfly. We neglect the process that they got to turn into a cocoon and they had to emerge. So I appreciate you for having me here to get into that, getting into the stages of being in that cocoon and that to be that butterfly, it takes time. And Sometimes you got to own your shish as well while you're in the cocoon, knowing that you played a role in what happened. So thank you for your questions and going in depth. I had a good right. time. Definitely. Before we end it, please tell the people how they can follow you or how they can get in touch with you. Woo! So Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, underscore so problematic. 
okay? And on YouTube, we're on YouTube, okay? At so Problematic, you'll see me and my girl Cece, who you'll hear next or another time. And we get into all things, um, all about like every topic. We get into marriage, children, sex, spirituality. And fun fact, Cece told me about the podcast literally a week after um <laughs> a week after i'm going through my divorce so let me tell you this man came and tell me what's a divorce and a week later she was like let's do a podcast i'm like girl <laughs> but she didn't know she didn't know okay. so she's like she, i'm like i'm going i, I said I'm, I'm separated she's like what so um if you come to our podcast i always tell people start from the beginning and climb up because you're gonna see the growth the transition and the you definitely see a big transition of who I am and who she is in the beginning. Like all this right here was not it. So give me grace, y'all. And I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, he can go to hell. I don't give a damn. I hope we, I, I wish him the best in hell. Give me some grace because that was the beginning. And I don't regret that because you have to go to that to get to where you are now. You have to get to there. So listen to the beginning come to the newness and just follow us, like subscribe and, you know, become part of our problematic crew. <laughs> and you also have a fitness space too, right? Don't you have a fitness? I do. Wow. You know what? Look at me trying to be a good old, good old podcaster. I do. I do. Um, my page is Jamaican fitness queen. Yes. People want my name so bad on Instagram, but I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. So it's <laughs> Jamaican fitness queen and it's on instagram and it is literally i'm gonna do better y'all it is all things fitness and motherhood let's be honest i'm a single mother i'm juggling working on the five in corporate america i'm juggling a spicy four-year-old little empress as well as running a fitness business and a podcast and god knows what's next because i never closed my door to opportunities that he opened for me so um, coming up, you're going to see quick workouts while the baby's sleeping and the kids are sleeping. Um, you're going to see quick little meals. I'm not a chef, so my meals got to be quick, ready, and yummy, as well as how to keep the pounds off if you're a Caribbean, like you're, you're from the Caribbeans. Um, we love our rice and peas. We love our chicken. We love our plantain. We love our, you know, we love it all. I love to eat, but I also love to ensure that my body is healthy and, you know, well. So, Follow me and I won't lead you astray. I promise. I hope not. I pray not. And if I do, don't blame me. <laughs> well, again, uh, again, it's been an honor, pleasure, and I wish you all the best with the fitness business and also just progressing with, with your new life ahead. Thank you so much. I appreciate you just separating us a little bit, getting into depth. And now I see why. And I love it. I love it. You set the standards for our collabs now. Now I'm like, you gotta be more in depth with your questions, or I'm not doing this. Let me stop for the kill me. Yeah, you know, you feel like it's a meaningful conversation. Like I didn't feel like I came on here and been like, yeah, I'm getting divorced. Yeah, da da. No, it's more like this is what happened, and you know, taking ownership because we throw around the word healing like it's flipping nothing, but part of healing, the main part of healing is saying, woo that was me <laughs> and that's the only way to do it so i appreciate you being letting me be open raw and honest um it's not easy but it's worth it so thank you 
Definitely. And I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lant. My Facebook is also conversations with Lant. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.